25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN. On the Range is brought to you by Golf Discount. Golf Discount, where St. Louis shops for all its golf needs. Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. I'm here with my buddy, longtime friend, Caddy, John Perlis. Perley, glad to be here. Lots to talk about. Fantastic U.S. Open. Got to play some golf with you and a whole lot of other good subjects. Ready to roll. Yeah, really great. We're, um, well, we formatted the show just like a round of golf, so this is the on, re- on the range segment, and we have a new sponsor, Golf Discount. Welcome nice. to the show, Golf Discount. Todd, your folks, uh, thanks so much for being with us. Um, golf Discount. Uh, is where St. Louis shouts for all of its golf needs. Um, all right, so basic overview of the show, Pearl. Okay. Got to talk about the Open. Gary Woodland. It was unbelievable. What a great, great Open. Brooks Kepka. Yep. Unbelievable. Would have been the first guy in, what, 113 years yeah. or something to uh, accomplish a three-peat. Other than uh, yep. Hickory Shafts, I think. Yeah. Yep, yep. We've got Justin <laughs> Hoagland, and, and uh, that's, probably, that's probably right, in golf tech. Um, we're going to talk about the greatest golf Ever played, and that was at Pebble Beach in 2002. Wow. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Um, got a great story about Mac O'Grady, and this week on tour is the Greater Hartford Open. Plus, you were up at Pebble, so I want to hear some yep. details of uh, what you were doing running around that joint. That's that right. Pretty cool. That was aw- well, very you tell awesome. me a little bit on how things have changed, even from the not-so-distant future yeah. uh, when you were out there. We could talk about this forever, but yeah. for hours. And uh, then I got an interview with a cool friend of mine. His name is Phil Frangs. He is the founder and CEO of Logistics, a uh, huge supporter of golf. Great story. So you're gonna, we're going to hear about him on the front and the back nine. So, um, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's talk go. about the U.S. Open, yep. Pebble Beach. I mean, I got a text from Olin Brown that said, and Olin's a you know, yeah. good buddy of, of, of ours and the show and of golf, and he said, Shouldn't the U.S. Open be at Pebble Beach every year? Don't you wish? Oh, man. It just Plus, looks it's different like every it's, single time. I know. Wind, no wind, dry, not so dry, all the different combinations. And it is just gorgeous. Still some of my fondest memories is driving 17-mile drive, being around there with you, and then caddying on uh, 18th hole. I mean, it, it does not get any prettier in the world, uh, maybe in the world, period, right. let alone the world of golf. Should we get stand up and give Gary Woodland a standing ovation? Should we do you I'll know, tell you what, I doubted him. Can you do him. a cartwheel? I, I mean, doubted him. I'm thinking I don't think he's ready. 0 for 7 when he's in the lead after, what, three rounds or two rounds? Yep. Something in that ballpark. I'm thinking no way can he pull it off right And He was a rock. Stud. Okay, so let me ask you, which shot was better? The three wood from two fifty six at fourteen, or the sixty off the front right edge of the green on seventeen. I'll tell you, for me, it was the sixty off of the uh, green on seventeen because forever he's been able to hit that three wood where he hit it. Okay, because that's who he is. He's got the power, but he put in his game the short game the last what six months, maybe less or even less than that, and. That we know where that thing could have gone. Oh, he was <laughs> saying. He said afterwards. He's so honest. I was four was fine with yeah, me if yeah. I got a four, and he dirt, he almost made a deuce. It was so pure. It was so oh, pure. Well, yeah. but but I like that they were talking about how here's a guy who's already world class that went out there looked for other parts of his game that he knew he needed to work on, and he went from one thirtieth or some dang number on the tour right. to leading at least in this week. And obviously, other thing, good things have been happening with him, with the other wins, the other top finishes he's had. And you know, it's not easy to bring that new short game onto the tour under pressure. You can kind of get things going and be around the green, but you know, I watched you go through that transition from not being as productive as, as you needed to be. To Gary's being, probably a little quicker learner than I am. Well, you know, but, maybe, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, bringing no. it on the golf course and then bringing it on where you got to hit that shot, yeah, <laughs> shot no, at 17. No. Well, wait a minute, especially because you got a, a, hole and, a hole and a half left to win the U.S. Yeah. Open? No. Yeah. Uh, remarkable. And and to top it off, one of our shows, Golf with Jay Delsing's favorite stars, yes. is Amy Bakersdale. Yep, yep, we've talked and about her. And who shows up? On the Today Show, when Amy's on there with her dad, but Gary Woodland, 
and presents her with the U.S. Open trophy. I missed that. You didn't see that? No, I did not see that. That's what rock are you living? No, No. Pearl, unbelievable. (laughs) I know he called her right after the tournament. I watched that part of it and just saying, "Hey, thanks for the, you know, the inspiration, the clarity, and all that kind of stuff." And that was clearly something changed in his life. Oh my gosh! Just. What I've just well, you could tell it at Phoenix, and I think we we caught it. You and I talked about it several times. That 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 encounter with her affected him. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. There's no question. We are going to uh, get Amy on this show. Oh, that would be that a would kick. Be awesome. You'll do, you could do that. It would I really be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'll reach out to her dad, and yeah. well, um, I think her yeah. dad kind of does stuff yep. with her, right? Yeah, absolutely yeah. does. So, um, yeah, great stuff. Just. Terrific stuff. Um, well, what did you think? What did you think going into the uh, to the last the last round? Did you think he could do it? I did. I did, I did I think didn't. he did it. Did I think he I, is he capable for sure? Did, did I think he would do it? Huge question. You know, there's only one guy, and I'm not always in line with him, but uh, Mark Rolfing on some of the pre shows, and he got kind of emotional saying he can do this, and he was really the only guy that was willing to kind of throw it out there. Everybody seems to like Gary Woodland. I'm sure you know him a little bit. I've I never do. met the guy. Great you hear guy. nothing but good things about him. Yep. And But everybody's kind of like, yeah, but I'm not sure you can pull this off, you know, maybe a couple more times. Well, think about this, though. Think about it from a different perspective. He's got history almost working against him where Brooks is trying to go for the three-peat. Mm-hmm. And who knew? Who knew Justin Rose would fade so much? I, it's interesting, though. Did you watch? Did you watch Sunday's round at all? Did you yeah, get to see I, it? Got, yeah, I watched quite a bit. I know you every were shot. Traveling. Every I was, shot. Okay. Yeah, I was traveling. The day could before. you see? Could you see Jess, Justin Rose keep getting under those short irons Jay, a little bit? But for two days, I mean, Justin Rose on Saturday too was all was over pretty the, pretty clunky relative yep. to Justin right. Rose. He and, is a strategist, Pearl. He is one of those few guys in the modern game that can go point A to point B. Regularly, but let me ask you a question, and I don't want to get off the track here yeah. too much. They also talked about him making kind of a wholesale equipment change about what six eight months ago or something like that. How do you go from world class ball striker, as in maybe the best right. in the world at the right. time, and change a bunch of equipment? So that's another subject, maybe for another time. Yeah, right. But that that to right. me was was a weird one, and clearly you can tell it's just not clicking for him because he's hitting very many a lot of unlike Justin Rose shots. Yeah, to me, I could see the swing just yeah. looked like it was off, and who knows? You know, there's that extra, maybe a little bit of extra doubt. I mean, obviously, Pearl's for the money. Plus, he's missing. Has it. to be changing for the money. He, he was missing it in the wrong places. You can go out and missing a lot, but he, he kept missing. short-sighting yeah. himself on the downhill, like on that thirteen, missing out to that. I, I totally. That's so far off from where you know he's aiming left of the flagstick and he's missing right of the flagstick and right of the green. No way. Yeah. Not for him. Well, Adam Scott made a little bit of a run. I was hoping to see more there, and then. Once again, just kind of a nasty putt. I think he whipped one out of bounds, too. Uh, he did. He hit one out 13? of bounds on 13. I didn't think it was possible. So, Pearl, if <laughs> no, you're wait standing. A second. Wait a second. I didn't say 14. <laughs> I said 13. Come on, man. It's like. Yeah, that's way off. Let's that's see. way offline. It'd be like if, if we're sitting out on, on Olive Street Road and the fairway goes right down the fairway, it'd be like hitting it over, almost over your right shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, really, really not him. And I, no. Then, he, you know, he can miss some putts, which has kind yep. of happened, too, a little bit at the end. Right. But for him to miss shots like that, that's very unlike him. Yep, yep. Um, I've got um, – well, let's let's visit with uh, Justin Hoagland. Okay, let's talk. With, uh, with Golf Tech uh, and, and hear what he's got to say for us this week. The three Golf Tech properties here in St. Louis, Justin Hoagland, and he is going to talk to us today about some club fitting. Right, Jay. This is a real important uh, area for we as professionals. We we get to teach lessons, but also instruct people on how to improve their game from a equipment standpoint. And and um, even the most elite players in the world are professionally look, perpetually looking for opportunities to improve their games. And for sure, we see that mid to high handicap players can benefit the most in getting custom fitted for the right equipment. And and we see that those caliber players a lot of times shy away from getting fit for clubs for various reasons. Um, it's not worth the hassle. They don't really want to think that, that a fitting would, would help their game. Uh, one we hear the most, perhaps, is my swing is not yet ready for a club fitting. It's not good enough for a club fitting. But the truth is, without a properly fitted set of clubs, a, a golfer's swing and mechanical changes may fail to reach the desired outcome if they don't get fit. So, 
playing with misfitted equipment can really undermine the most talented athletes in the world in all sports, but not, not just golf. So, you know, we find easily more than half of golfers playing today haven't had a properly fitted set, and therefore they, they really leave opportunities out on the golf course and, and lowering their scores, um, you know, due to their lack of fitted equipment. So, you know, I always say it's like, uh, it's like tailoring clothing. Um, tailored clothing versus off-the-rack clothes, like a good suit that, that we, we would wear. A custom-fitted set of clothes is made for your specifications, designed to play up your strengths and compensate for any weaknesses. And, and most of all, it ups a player's confidence once you go through it. Uh, and just so your listeners know, I, I encourage them to get fitted, but go through the process, whoever it's with. If it's with Golf Tech, that would be great. We can help you. It's well worth the time to see your uh, – uh, to see that your uh, equipment is fitted and then, then it, that it's not holding you back. And um, we recommend that you, um, um, what you need based on data and, and comparisons of product, shafts, heads, et cetera. Once we compare those, we'll know exactly what you need. We're measuring things like length and line angle and grip size and flex and speed and shaft weight, et cetera. The process here at Golf Tech takes about 90 minutes. Uh, it's a launch monitor, uh, launch monitor-driven fitting, and and sure to make improvements on 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 one's game. And we'd love to help any of your listeners considering a really good in-depth club fitting. Well, that's great, Justin. Folks, get yourself down to Golf Tech. Get yourself fitted, as Justin said, somewhere because it can really make a difference. Thanks, Joe. Okay, buddy. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That was sweet, quick, and easy. That's great, Justin. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, I I want to tell. One quick story about the Hartford Open. I'm playing up there, oh, I don't know, probably 99, something like that. I get paired with Mac O'Grady and Scott Gump, who everybody called Forrest. It was a nightmare pair. A nightmare, nightmare if you pair. No characters right? on the tour. You just found two of them. Right. So I, sh- I get on the 10th tee, shake hands with Mac. He's got a glove on his right hand. Now, Mac's a right handed golfer and always we wear our gloves on the left. Mac, for for people that don't know this, was proficient at playing both left-handed and right-handed and wanted and, and, and sought the USGA out to see if he could be a non-pro left-handed. Of his amateur standing as a... That's not overly surprising coming from That is Mac. not. So where am I going with this story? Look down at his bag. He's got a carry bag. No tour bag. Got a carry bag. He's got a kid probably 12 years old. Cute little boy carrying his bag. I look in his bag going down. Oh, we're standing on the first tee. He's got a bag full of lefties and a bag full of righties. Got he's got a left-handed clubs? driver. He's got 28 clubs in there? What's he's he got? got? No, he's got. He's still got 14 clubs. He's got a half a bag of lefties and a half a bag of righties. He's got a <laughs> left-handed driver. Guess what kind of putter he used? Either way. Bullseye. <laughs> exactly. I know. <laughs> that works. So, folks, bullseye, you can put left-handed or right. He's got a left-handed wedge, a right-handed pitching wedge. He's got a left-handed seven iron right. On the tour. On the PGA Tour, stand up on the 10th hole at Hartford, and he flares this thing out into the uh, maintenance area to the left. It's not out of bounds, but it's a Was hassle. he lefty already when he did that? He was a lefty. Okay. No, so here's where I'm going with this story. So I'm thinking, I cannot believe this guy would disrespect the Tour. I mean, there's a guy that wants to die to get in this yeah. tournament, and he's going to jack around with it. right? So we go down there, and I said, I don't know if you um, remember a guy named uh, Frank Cavanaugh. He's a rules official. I, don't. I used to call him Dr. No. Because every time he saw me, he'd go, no, <laughs> no. And actually, one time he came up and I said, hey, Frank, can I get a second opinion? He goes, you didn't even ask me yet. I go, I know. I know you're going to tell me no, so get the hell out of here. Anyway, we go out, and he goes in there and comes back, and I, I wave him over. I'm in the fairway. And I said, hey, Frank, i got to ask you something. What happened in there? He goes, oh, Mac had his condition. He was over by this drain and got a drop. And I said, really? For a left-handed shot or right-handed? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, did you look in his bag? Do you see he's got a glove in each pocket? <laughs> he goes, I'm out of here. Did he really? Max How shot does it. that work? What do you, left or right, or well, you get your I, choice? No, who the hell knows? I don't know. No one's ever done it before. Max shot That's 46. That's to the USGA and the RNA, RNA to get that one figured Ridiculous. out. Ridiculous. He shot 46. That's good for 23 him. left. For how many holes? Nine. <laughs> 23 lefties, 23 righties. Looked at me as we're walking to the tenth, the first tee, our tenth, and said, "My head hurts. I'm done." Wow. Never forget it. Yeah. 
How could you? How could you make that up? What was the Gumper doing in this in this oh. situation? <laughs> you know, he's like looking around, like, "Wow, look at those trees! Look at that! Woo!" He could play. He would get definitely play. Yep. All right, Pearl, that's going to do it for the uh, on the range segment. Man, that went quick. Um, we got to take a short break. Okay. Stay with us here as we move to the front nine. This is golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Joe Schieser has been in the loan office business for 26 years at USA Mortgage here in St. Louis. He's closed over $500 million in loans and specializes in pairing the right loan program just for you. He offers unique loans for first-time homebuyers, VA loans for veterans, no-cost loans for refinances, and even cash-out opportunities to pay off those credit and debit card bills, or even to make those much-needed home improvements. Don't wait and miss your chance to improve your current financial position while rates are still low. Call Joe at 314-628-205 today and tell them Jay sent you. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can find Jay online at jdelsinggolf.com. Welcome back, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here uh, to bring you this segment we call The Front Nine. Please reach out to us with your questions, comments, requests at J-A-Y at J-A-Y-D-E-L-S-I-N-G-G-O-L-F dot com. Each week, if we select your question or comment, we read it on the air. You will receive Golf or Two at Gateway National Golf Club. Compliments of Walter's Golf Management. This week's question is from Henry. Henry asks, I have heard you mention on the show and now heard Curtis Strange talk about the term flighting when talking about hitting mostly, I think, irons. Can you explain in hackers' terms what that means? Why is it important? And then how do you do it? How well, do do Henry, it? first of all, we're talking about <laughs> hackers' terms, so let's explain what it is first. No, flighting is real simple. It's, it's controlling your trajectory. And what happens, Henry, nowadays with this golf ball, it wants to climb. It just wants to and climb. the clubs, right? Aren't the clubs yeah. kind of wanting to climb, too? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, driver, you know, yeah. high and stuff. Yeah, yeah. you don't see many guys flight their driver too much, but they can. Yeah. And to your point, Daniel Berger does. So, so, so well, Woodland, do. was, Woodland was uh, in Pebble. They yeah. talked about it. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so flighting, that's basically what it means. It's done mostly, Henry, when you watch the British Open and you see guys with abbreviated finishes, meaning their hands aren't getting up above their shoulders to hit these shots. Okay, and it's also kind of referred to as a knockdown shot. Reminds me, Pearl, how great Phil Mickelson did at Pebble Beach last round of the AT&T. That's why he won. That's why he won. Yep. Crappy weather, rain, all that jazz. Knocked and he it just, down. And she had, what, 30 is last night? Or yeah, 30 blew, blew everybody away. Blew everyone, and, and, one, and one by six. Broke our prediction that he couldn't do it. Right. And, yeah, unbelievable. Right. In, in his rain suit and everything yeah. else. So that's basically what it what it is. Why it's important is because you can it'll help you control your distances, especially when you get even as much as a 10-mile-an-hour breeze. It can affect it. Distance, but also general control, yeah. right? Right. That's and, what we're talking about. And another about. time, yep. that's weather and that kind of stuff. Another yep. time, we, we would flight it down and move it back in our stance and have abbreviated is when we're choking our guts out and we're yeah. trying to keep the ball in play. Oh, I thought you were going to say when you hit it behind a tree, you'd be like, yeah, that too. <laughs> get it under that tree. Yeah. No, you know, though. Yeah, no, you're, absolutely. You're coming down the stretch, you're trying to you're trying to keep the dang thing in place so that you can win or, yep. or, or qualify or whatever. Yep. yep. And uh, flighting is a huge deal, although I've challenged you with that. And you've been noticing some of the young guns, Justin Thomas, I think is who you, the example you use when you talk to me about it. 
he doesn't do much. He's starting to, but doesn't really do much of any fighting. He just works on hitting it pure. Yep. And as the saying goes, a purely struck ball isn't really hardly affected by the wind. Right, not right. Totally especially that, especially nowadays. When we were ball. growing up yeah. with that ballada ball, not the case. Yeah. But, Henry, the reason uh, and how to do it, man, you got to get on the range. you got to get the ball back in your stance, start with your short irons. Don't try to hit it too hard and abbreviate your finish on the way through to kind of keep the face down a little bit and a little bit it'll feel a little shut to you. Okay, that's to hit it down, but he's asking flight. So generally when they say nine shots in the bag, right, it's the three different heights and the different shapes. So kind of left to right, right to left, straight, and then low, medium, high. That's kind of, quote, the nine shots. Okay, but when I think of flighting, I don't think of hitting it left to right or right to left. I think of only only controlling the trajectory. But to your point, maybe that's what Henry's thinking. But Either way, you're thinking it's it's both correct, and you're going to handle a lot of that, given if it is the, the second way, with kind of that shaft lean, you know, yes. which is a component of where you put it in your stance and your rhythm, like you said. Right. So, and, and if Henry's asking in hacker terms, I'm not thinking he's got the nine yeah, good shots. Point. Good yeah. Point. So that's what it is, Henry. Hey, uh, Henry, email me Jay at jdelsongolf.com if you want a little more information on that because that's a, a really good question. All right, Pearl. Great interview with my buddy Phil. We got to go listen to uh, Phil Franks uh, with logistics now. Tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, it was founded in 1989, and and how you have kind of connected in golf. One of the things I like to do on the show, Phil, is talk to folks about how they were introduced to get to the game and why the game, you know, has kind of stuck with them. Sure. Um, well, you know, to answer the question, uh, Logistics is a company that I founded in 1989, and our customers are all major law firms. We're responsible uh, to provide to them practice support in the area of documents. So we're responsible for running copy centers and mail rooms and records departments, handling uh, distribution of documents. And we also provide um, large-scale document production, which is usually referred to in the uh, legal industry is discovery that's associated with litigation. And we've grown quite a bit, and we're fortunate to have customers all around the United States and customers in Europe and customers in the in Asia and also down in Australia. So it's um, it's been a, a, a busy time in my life just keeping up with the needs of this company. But um, you know, this whole idea of golf, it's an interesting thing. I, I was introduced to golf because I, I delivered a paper, um, you know, afternoon paper route in San Mateo, California. And um, I had a customer, and the customer got to know me, and he kept asking me about coming down to a junior golf clinic. It turns out he was a retired Air Force guy, and he worked as a starter at Bay Meadows Golf Course, which was a nine-hole golf course in the middle of the Bay Meadows racetrack, um, horse racing track in San Mateo. And so one summer, he, he was really working on me, trying to convince me to come down. And I kept giving him every reason why I couldn't. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about golf. and My parents didn't play golf. And and I just kept going down the line. And finally, I said, I don't have any golf clubs. And this man, this dear man, says, listen, bring $25. That'll cover you for five lessons. And uh, just come and see me when you get there, and I'll, I'll make arrangements for your golf clubs. So he took me back. I arrived, gave him the $25. He took me in the back, and there was a barrel of lost clubs. <laughs> this man pulled me out a driver and a three-wood, a nine-iron, a seven-iron, and a five-iron, and a putter. Found an old bag, threw them in. He says, use these. So I came in at the end of the day and thanked him very much and offered the clubs back to him. And he said, no, Phil, these are your clubs. And so this kind man introduced me to the game, gave me my first set of clubs, and other than my love affair with my wife, my second love affair is with the game of golf. And so I was 12 years old at the time, and here I am, 55, actually 56 years later, still in love with the game of golf. You know, Phil, well, congratulations. Logistics is a, a great company, worldwide presence, and some of the things that you've been able to do uh, through your love of the game, uh, has been incredible. You have been one of the major fundraisers for the Southern California PGA. Talk a little bit about 
the the money you've ra- uh, raised, and I know that education is really important to you and your mission down there. Yeah. Yeah, so let me just correct one thing. It's the Southern California Golf Association. So this is the regional golf association. And uh, the SCPGA is, is a sister organization, which is the professional organization made up of the professionals that work at all of our clubs and golf courses. Um, but at the SCPGA, we, we have a foundation, and that foundation was started with the proceeds of the PGA tournament that took place at Riviera about 20-plus years ago, 25 years ago, and that organization's mission is is to introduce kids to golf, um, to become a, a, a bridge to the game of golf, to, to teach kids the game, uh, to, to ask them to stay involved in the game all the way up through their high school years. And then starting about 10 years ago, we started offering scholarships to these kids to help them with their higher education. And um, so I've been uh, involved in that scholarship committee. I've been on the board of the SCGA Junior Golf Foundation for a number of years now. And, and uh, what we started was we started a, um, a tournament. We hold up at Pebble Beach, and we've had our seventh one this past March. We uh, invite a professional from a club and three amateurs up there. And we play golf for two days at Spyglass and Pebble Beach, two of the finest courses in the world. And uh, so we have a great time. But our mission is not just to, to play golf. Um, you know, the, the, the tournament is, covers the three C's. It's uh, the three C's. It's competition, camaraderie, and char- charity. And so we've been able to raise four scholarships over the seven years that we've operated $865,000 and all of those funds have gone to helping kids that are in the SCGA junior golf program to go on to higher education. And, and many of these kids are from underprivileged areas and many of these kids are the first kid in their family to ever even go to college. So it's a very rewarding thing. And it's, it's, it's about golf and it's about being, just a good person that sort of giving back. Like the, the guy gave me a set of clubs and got me introduced to golf. It's a way for me to give back as well. Well, that wraps up the front nine. We're going to take a pause for a few moments so you can hear from the folks that support our show at Golf with Jay Delsing. Come back, though. We have more of the Phil Franks interview on 101 ESPN. Well, that wraps up the front nine. We're going to take a pause for a few moments so you can hear from the folks that support our show at Golf with Jay Delsing. Come back, though. We have more of the Phil Franks interview on 101 ESPN. Are you looking for a golf training facility and PGA pros to help you out year-round? Make sure you get to Golf Tech. They've been in St. Louis since 2007 and have three convenient locations to serve you. They've got state-of-the-art video equipment, and you can take your lesson home with you and replay it as much as you'd like. Start with a golf swing evaluation for only $125 and let a Golf Tech coach customize a game plan for you. 314-721-GOLF. You can find them online as well, golftech.com dash St. Louis. Play better. Swing better. Golf Tech. I got a big shout-out and a thank you to Whitmore Country Club for supporting my golf show. I don't know if you know, Whitmore Country Club has 72 holes of golf. There's a 24-hour fitness center and has an extremely large pool complex. This is a family-friendly country club to belong to. There's a kids' club in the main clubhouse right near the fitness center. There are golf leagues, skin games. Members, tournaments, couples events are available all year long. If you join at Whitmore, you also get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in that membership. There are no food or beverage minimums, no assessments. Go out and see my friend Bummer out in the clubhouse. He is an absolute jewel and a wonderful guy that will tell you all you need to know. Or you can call Whitmore at 636-926-9622. Joe Schieser has been in the loan office business for 26 years at USA Mortgage here in St. Louis. He's closed over $500 million in loans and specializes in pairing the right loan program just for you. He offers unique loans for first-time homebuyers, VA loans for veterans, no-cost loans for refinances, and even cash-out opportunities to pay off those credit and debit card bills, or even to make those much-needed home improvements. Don't wait and miss your chance to improve your current financial position while rates are still low. Call Joe at 314-628-205 today and tell them Jay sent you. 
After 25 years on the PGA Tour, Jay Delsing takes you behind the scenes from the eyes of a pro. Now back to more golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got my favorite caddy and best buddy, John, here with me, and we are headed to the back nine, Pearly. I got to tell the folks about our title sponsor of the show, Whitmore Country Club. 90 holes of golf, complimentary golf at Missouri Bluffs, Links of Dardine, Golf Club of Wentzville, and the card fees are included in those memberships. Uh, there's no food or beverage minimums, no uh, assessments. they got a great, huge 24-hour fitness facility, large pool complex, tennis, three tennis courts. Their year-round social calendar is really fun. I've heard their holiday parties can get pretty fun. Heard some, some good stories over there. Um, there's there's uh, date nights, live music, kids clubs. The kids club is massive. I mean, you can take your girlfriend or boyfriend over there, play some golf, leave the kids. They can go hang out. Uh, they can go play tennis. It, it's uh, it's a family-friendly atmosphere and a great club. Just spoke with them last week, and, and things are, are rocking. Despite the crappy weather that we've had here, they're doing they're doing really well. Uh, our, our buddy Bummer, you got to go in the shop and talk to Bummer. He's... He's the best. He is such a great guy. And, um, yeah, so if, uh, if if you want to join a club, and we have talked about probably the way we grew up, yep, where fits. our parents could it drop fits. us. Love it. This Love fits. It. This fits. It helps grow in the game. That's that's your passion. That's obviously their passion. We've had Bummer on. That's his passion. It's a, it's a great combination. Absolutely. Their number is 636-926-9622. All right, let's go back and finish up this interview with Phil. Phil Franks, and this is his his company is Logistics. Well, I mean, just that story that we we chatted in just these few minutes is uh, like that's not enough, but that's not really why we are talking today. Um, and congratulations! I'm sorry I threw the SCPGA in there. I've been a pro for so long; I should remember the difference between the pros <laughs> and the amateurs. But um, anyway, um, let's talk about. How I know that you're an avid, you're just an avid sportsman. I know you love racing. I know you still love the game of golf. Tell us the story, uh, how you personally got involved with raising money with this uh, fantastic. I just got off your web, the uh, website, um, race to end alzheimers.org. And uh, I'll repeat that for the folks before we get off the air. But um, just, just give us some of this background because this is really a heartwarming really cool twist how golf is kind of intertwined with your life and your racing and some of your passions and some of your your philanthropic work well i'm, I'm happy to and you know this this whole racing thing was um involves another interesting story there's a there's a young man that i met um about 12 years ago he was a caddy up at spyglass at, you know, at Pebble Beach Resorts, and I just got assigned to him. I was playing in some competition up there. And the first five holes at Spyglass used to just eat me alive, um, very difficult starting holes. And it's when you hit number six, after, for those of your listeners who have played Spyglass, the first five holes are in and amongst the, the sand dunes. And Robert Trent Jones designed that course 50-plus years ago with all of these holes right down along the edge of the water, in and amongst the dunes, and they're very unique. And you can get a lot of trouble down there. And in competition, you know, you can make big numbers. And so once you get to number six, you start going up the hill into the forest. And the rest of the golf course is in the pine forest, uh, the Del Monte Forest. And it's a different golf course. Once you get past number five, it just becomes um, not quite so um, picturesque but just hard and long. And so I always find that, that when you're walking up number six, when you can take a breath, at least in my case, was probably the first time I breathed. And I started talking to this young man, Nick Galante, who was my caddy. And, you know, well, where are you from and how did you get here? And the story was that he had just been out there for a couple of years uh, in the Pebble Beach area, and he'd come so that he could be a caddy and play golf. He came from Massachusetts. But he also had a passion and interest in getting into auto racing. And Laguna Seca is a world-class racing facility in Monterey. And so he thought it was a great place to combine his ability to make a living because he knew golf well. He's the son of a teaching pro. And, um, and he would get introduced to racing. Well, 
he's a good enough salesman that after a couple of holes, he had me volunteering to support him uh, in his efforts. And here we are 12 years later, and we've been racing out on the IMSA um, circuit for six, six years now, I believe it is. And, and he's been quite successful. He's a two-time champion, champion in 2016 and champion in 2018 last year in the IMSA uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge. Uh, driving sports cars. Uh, we've driven Porsche, we've driven BMW, and we're currently driving an Audi in the touring car class. And um, so he's a wonderful guy. And, you know, there's a big connection to the golf thing and that all of a sudden I'm in racing because of a, a young man on the golf course. But I got involved in the Alzheimer's piece of this whole thing because my wife was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. She's a young 65 years old now, and her diagnosis was, was she was 59 years old. And so we've been living with this um, very challenging disease for a period of time now. And after the first couple of years of me being her caregiver, I was able to bring in some people to provide her care. And I continued in my interest in racing. And, you know, the thing about racing is, is, is that it's funded by people who use the race car as an advertising vehicle. You know, they're 100 mile an hour billboards. There's names all over these cars. And my, my company's name, Logistics, was on the car. And I wondered what would happen if I took the name off of the car and replaced it with the names of people that are suffering from Alzheimer's or maybe passed on from Alzheimer's. And what would that look like? And what could we do about it? And so I came up, up with this concept and we created the Racing to End Alzheimer's Foundation. And so for a $250 donation, a person can put their loved one's name on the car in their hometown. In my case, it's Mimi Schofield Frings, Palos Verdes Estates, California. And um, so in 2017, the first year we ran it, we were able to put 27 names on our Porsche Cayman at that time. We also, getting back to golf, we also had a big support from Ricky Fowler. He was on the car uh, promoting with us. And um, so we've done that, and then last year we were able to put on our BMW 126 names, and along with uh, my company matching the donations of those honoring their loved ones, another company, you um, Rules, joined me in that. We were able to raise over $100,000 last year, and we're off and running in 2019. We've had three races already. We started putting names on the car after our third race, and um, we're at our third race, and we, we now have 35 names on the car, and our goal is to get 150-plus names on the car before the end of the season, which ends in October. And um, it's really an interesting thing. It gives somebody the ability to honor their loved one, to maybe remember somebody that's passed on, maybe it gives them some closure, maybe it just makes them feel like they're doing something and what is otherwise a position where you, you can't, at least I know in my case, I don't know what I could possibly do to change anything, and I can't. But if I can make a difference and maybe help us find a cure or, or better care for people and the families that are being faced with Alzheimer's, then that's good enough for me. Man, Bill, first of all, thanks for sharing that. Second of all, um, it, it's, it's such an interesting what what you've chosen is such an interesting way to try to get to, to try to gain awareness for this uh, horrible uh, disease. I, I I've the things that I've read have said that it's really really difficult not only on the sufferer but on the on the caregivers and the family around there. And I know that you guys are working uh, closely with UCLA and, and the Cognitive Health Center down there. They're doing a lot of really great things to support those families. Uh, they, they really are, and, and you and I share UCLA roots, and, and, and they help me with my wife and and support within my family, and so I'm happy to be supportive of them. But can I mention another group that we help? Absolutely, please. Well, you know, Jim Nance's father, um, Jim James Jr., um, died of Alzheimer's after a 13-year fight with it, and he was treated down in Houston at the Houston Methodist Hospital. And after his passing, Jim and his mother and sister formed the uh, Nance National Alzheimer's Center. 
And I was introduced to this, and, and um, Jim talked so proudly about the people who, you know, have been helped and some prominent people in golf and in football that have been treated down there. I, would, I would, wouldn't, don't want to share names because I don't think that's the right thing to do. But he, he's, he's very proud of what they're doing down there. And I've had the chance to go down and meet with the doctors down there. And they're on, working on leading-edge things, and they're making a huge difference. And um, so we've been happy to have them be one of our beneficiaries and um so really excited about that, and Jim's been very supportive. But if you go to our website, which is R, the letter R, the number two, N B A L Z, so E N B A L Z dot org, um, you'll see a message from Jim. I mean, he's very supportive, and he um, he'll ask you to support us, and um, I hope that you will. Well, so a lot of people don't know that you know how Jim opened so many of his broadcasts when he would say, hello, friends. Jim happens to be a, a, a really nice, good friend of mine as well. That was for his father, who was suffering from the affliction because his dad would turn into the golf uh, telecast broadcast and not know Jim's name, not know his voice, not recognize it at, at the time. And Jim just said it was just awful. Well, it was a way for him to connect with his dad, and uh, one of the things that he writes about in his book, and Jim's got a fabulous book that talks about his career, but really talks a lot about his relationship with his father and his admiration for his father. His father was, as he described, a man um, who, the minute he met you, you became his friend. And so that word friends is really important to Jim and his memory of his father and his connection with his father. Um so you're right. Every time he starts a broadcast, it's hello, friends. And um, uh, he, he's a good friend of mine, and, and I appreciate um, all that he's doing to to make a difference in, in this battle. Well, Jim has agreed to come on the show, so we'll get him on the show as well. We'll talk a little bit about this. It's one of these stories, Phil, I so appreciate your time. I so appreciate you sharing a personal – I'm sure it cannot be easy at all to, to – to talk about your wife whom you mentioned before we started recording how much you love her um it, it can't be easy sharing those stories but it can be so helpful for um for awareness for people that are dealing with this and it's also a tribute to this great game that we both love on how you and i are connected now and hopefully other people will be connected with you and you're you're kind of extending that olive branch so to speak through the racing world and just um it's just really about doing great things well jay thank you so much for giving us a a voice here uh you know to your listeners and i just encourage people to go to the website if you go to our facebook page which is racing to end alzheimer's uh you'll find a lot of material that's educational and informational um and you know this is such a pervasive disease that if you if you don't have anybody in your family with Alzheimer's now, it's unlikely that you'll make it through the rest of your life without it appearing in your life somehow, whether it be a family member or a neighbor, a school teacher, that there's somebody in your life that's going to be affected with Alzheimer's if they're not already. So uh, it's a fight that we all have, and it's a cause that we all should be behind. Well, Phil, again, the website, folks, is the letter R, the number two, and E-N-D, alz.org and i've been on it it's very easy to um to navigate yourself through i'm not very techy and i had no trouble with it and um there's great information on there and a lot of ways for our listeners to get involved so get out there and and check it out and phil thank you so much for your time oh thanks jay and good luck on this fabulous broadcasting career that's awesome wow Talk about a guy that just absolutely gets it. How about that resume? Yeah, this dude, yeah. he went to UCLA, bro. Yeah. He's got that in common. How the with heck us. you get all that way going to UCLA, and we got where we got well, going to what? UCLA? What? <laughs> I know. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, just a terrific guy. I, I said to him before we did the interview. I said, Phil, are you comfortable talking about this? And yeah. he goes, Man, I wasn't when I started, you know. And um, I didn't know uh, his Jim Nance connection. But I've got that connection with Jim. I knew about Jim's father, and I knew that he started all of his shows with Hello Friends because See, of his I'm father. so happy to hear that now. I, I want everybody more, to know that. I was going to say that. When I was 
when I was listening to the interview, that's exactly what I said to myself because I really like Jim Nance, but I never quite get that sometimes. I don't always I, – I wish that story could be told, and it could be told for all the reasons that, uh, that we're, we're hearing this interview is what people can learn about the bigger picture and how, how it connected. I don't know. that Maybe Jim's thought that through and doesn't want to do it, but maybe next time you talk to him, throw that out there and just say, hey, that's a powerful story right there. He doesn't – you know, I think it was – yeah, and I don't know where Jim sits on this, so we'll ask him yeah. when we talk yeah. to him. But, but, yeah, it's great stuff. Here's another example, Pearl. So how about, Phil, taking the car idea, putting the names yeah. and the loved ones and honoring them, and, and, and for some cases they're memorialized, you know, if they've passed away, and figuring out a way, you know, to raise money for this cause. And, again, we talk about golf and charity. Mm-hmm. And now this is auto racing and charity. But Phil and I – we. We talked quite a bit, and that's, you know, we didn't have everything that we spoke about on the interview. But this game, John, we, we, we it's just amazing. I mean, we got to talk about Pebble Beach. The magnitude of the PGA Tour and the U.S. Open is ridiculous. It's, it's just, it's just, well, it's a just changed. How many, US Opens, how many U.S. Opens did you play in? And actually, you played in one at, uh, at least I did. one at Pebble. I did. I played in one at Pebble in 92. I only played in three U.S. Opens. Okay, so how would you... I played in three or four U.S. Ams. Especially compared to Pebble. Yeah. How would you compare... What year did you play? 92. How would you compare 92 to this year? And when you're saying the magnitude's changed, what are some specifics that say change that, that changed? Well, first of all, it's the corporate involvement. It is the and 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 no, that's that's not scratch that that's not first. First of all, it's the people. There are so many people that come out to this so thing. More, now. way more so oh, than when you're there, John. Because people come from a ways normally to get out there. Right. It's a beautiful place, but if, if you're driving from like any city, oh, it's yeah. going to take a while. Oh yeah, Pearl. The other it's not thing easy is, to fly into either. You're right. kind of flying into SFO. Right. The other thing is Pearl is they'll fly all the way there to volunteer for the week. They'll oh. take vacation time. It is remarkable, and the endeavor just doesn't stop with, you know, the the players in '92 were the best players in the world at the time. We were all the best players in the world at the time. It's a great event and all that. That hasn't changed. The quality of the play has changed some. I, th- I've, I just truly believe the players are better. That's all there is to it. The equipment's changed. The game, and we've talked about that, you know, at nauseum probably yeah. for our folks. But the corporate side, what Tiger's done to make it cool, the if you were able to somehow take a cross-section of the people that go to these things. Has that changed? Oh, for sure. How, it is how? such a broader spectrum now, okay. Pearl. There are people coming in from all over the place to to watch this. It is fantastic. It really is. How about the, like the energy level there? I mean, no, obviously when you're a player, you couldn't be too much more pumped than when you were playing in the U.S. Open. But just as a spectator, and you had your entertainment group, right? Did yes. you have a group there for several I did. days? I sure did. I had a pleasure. They were just had their jaws open the whole time. So the energy was just palpable then? Yeah, yeah, terrific. And yeah. there's just excitement in the air. And um, How about organization, Jay? I've been lucky to go to the Masters before. Other times I've They're came. getting better. Let's put it okay. that way. They're getting better. They, they do not. They are not in the same category as Augusta well, yet. Probably nobody is, probably. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Very fair. But they're getting better. Good. Bro, we got to close up this Uh-oh. back nine. Okay. Man, it went fast. Um, that's going to do it for the back nine. We'll be headed to the 19th hole after these messages. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Now that spring is here, if you're like me, you're looking at ways to freshen up your home. So I want to tell you about Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery. They have the largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture with a full-service Mohawk color center including carpet, hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring, and they offer professional installation. They've got sofas starting at $377, Lazy Boy recliners regularly $1,593 for only $798. The great thing about Jerseyville is that they offer delivery and setup, and they haul off your old furniture for free. Jerseyville has been family-owned since 1973, starting with Danny Caps. Come on by and talk to Danny's sons, Matt or Jared Caps, or one of the designers for in-home consultations. You can visit their website at www.jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net. That's awesome. Wow. 
Talk about a guy that just absolutely gets it. How about that resume? Yeah. This dude, yeah. he went to UCLA, bro. Yeah. He's got that in common. So how the with heck us. he get all that way going to UCLA, and we got where we got well, going to what? UCLA? What? I know. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, just a terrific guy. I I said to him before we did the interview. I said, Phil, are you comfortable talking about this? And yeah. he goes, Man, I wasn't when I started, you know. And um, I didn't know uh, his Jim Nance connection. But I've got that connection with Jim. I knew about Jim's father, and I knew that he started all of his shows with Hello Friends because See, of his father. I'm so happy to hear that now. I, I want everybody more, to know I was going to say that. When I, was, when I was listening to the interview, that's exactly what I said to myself because I really like Jim Nance, but I never quite get that sometimes. I don't always I, – I wish that story could be told, and it could be told for all the reasons that, uh, that we're, we're hearing this interview – is what people can learn about the bigger picture and how how it connected. I don't know that maybe Jim's thought that through and doesn't want to do it, but maybe next time you talk to him, throw that out there and just say, "Hey, that's a powerful story right there." He doesn't, you know. I think it was, and I don't know where Jim sits on this, so we'll ask him yeah. when we talk yeah. to him. But but yeah, it's great stuff. Here's another example, Pearl. So how about Phil taking the car idea, putting the names yeah. and the loved ones, and honoring them, and 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 for some cases, they're memorialized, you know, if they've passed away, and figuring out a way, you know, to raise money for this cause. And again, we talk about golf and charity. And now this is auto racing and charity. But Phil and I, we, we talked quite a bit, and that's, you know, we didn't have everything that we spoke about on the interview. But this game, John, we, we, we it's just amazing. I mean, we got to talk about Pebble Beach, the magnitude of the PGA Tour and the U.S. Open, it's ridiculous. It's it's just it's just well, it's just changed. How many U.S. Opens? How many U.S. Opens did you play in? And actually, you played in one at uh, at least I did. one at Pebble. I did. I played in one at Pebble in '92. I only played in three U.S. Opens. Okay, so how would you? I played in three or four U.S. Ams, especially compared to Pebble. Yeah. How would you compare? What year did you play? '92. How would you compare '92 to this year? And when you're saying the magnitudes changed, what are some specifics that Say change that, that changed. Well, first of all, it's the corporate involvement. It is the and 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 no, that's that's not scratch that. That's not first. First of all, it's the people. There are so many people that come out to this so thing. More now. way more so oh, than when you're there, John. Because people come from a ways normally to get out there. Right. It's a beautiful place, but if, if you're driving from like any city, oh, it's yeah. going to take a while. Oh yeah, Pearl. The and other it's not thing easy is, to fly into either. You're right. kind of flying into SFO. Right. The other thing is Pearl is they'll fly all the way there to volunteer for the week. They'll oh. take vacation time. It is remarkable, and the endeavor just doesn't stop with, you know, the the players in '92 were the best players in the world at the time. We were all the best players in the world at the time. It's a great event and all that. That hasn't changed. The quality of the play has changed some. I, th- I, I just truly believe the players are better. That's all there is to it. The equipment's changed, the game, and we've talked about that, you know, at nauseum probably yeah. for our folks. But the corporate side, what Tiger's done to make it cool, the if you were able to somehow take a cross-section of the people that go to these things. Has that changed? Oh, for sure. Oh, it is oh. such a broader spectrum now, okay. Pearl. There are people coming in from all over the place to to watch this. It is fantastic. It really is. How about the, like the energy level there? I mean, no, obviously when you're a player, you couldn't be too much more pumped than when you were playing in the U.S. Open. But just as a spectator, and you had your entertainment group, right? Did yes. you have a group there for several I days? I sure did. I had a pleasure. They were just had their jaws open the whole time. So the energy was just palpable then? Yeah, yeah, terrific. And yeah. there's just excitement in the air. And um, How about organization, Jay? I've been lucky to go to the Masters before. Other times I've They're kid. getting better. Let's put it okay. that way. They're getting better. They're, they're, they do not. They are not in the same category as Augusta well, yet. Probably nobody is, probably. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Very fair. But they're getting better. Good. Bro, we got to close up this Uh-oh. back nine. Okay. Man, it went fast. Um, that's going to do it for the back nine. We'll be headed to the 19th hole after these messages. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Now that spring is here, if you're like me, you're looking at ways to freshen up your home. So I want to tell you about Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery. They have the largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture with a full-service Mohawk color center including carpet, hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring, and they offer professional installation. 
They've got sofas starting at $377, Lazy Boy recliners regularly $1,593 for only $798. The great thing about Jerseyville is that they offer delivery and setup, and they haul off your old furniture for free. Jerseyville has been family-owned since 1973, starting with Danny Caps. Come on by and talk to Danny's sons, Matt or Jared Caps, or one of the designers for in-home consultations. You can visit their website at www.jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! It's time for the 19th hole on Golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill. Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill, the best burgers in town since 1986. Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill, the best burgers in town since 1986. Well, thanks for staying with us and welcome to the 19th hole. Pearlie just finished 18. It's time to uh, pop back one and open. Think about it a little That's bit. right. What just happened? This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Uh, Jay and John are here, uh, and like to thank Mike Duffy's. He's our the um, our official home of the 19th hole. Uh, Mike has got um, there are three Mike Duffy's locations, but Mike actually owns two of them: one in Richmond Heights and one in Kirkwood. And we've already had an event mm-hmm. at his place. We had a great time, and we are going to do another one in July. So uh, they, he had a real simple mission: he wanted to have great food, he wanted to have a local kind of a grill where people could come hang out, watch the game, uh, uh, have good food served by great people. So mission accomplished for Mike. Um, uh, you got to come out and check out. He's got daily specials. There's trivia nights, live music, uh, expanded menus, and meat. Huge selection of beer. We like beer. Yes. Yeah, so um, come and see Mike Duffy's Grill. Anytime you walk in there, ask for Mike. He's there somewhere working his uh, – it uh, works really hard and would love to shake hands and say hi. So, um, yeah, thanks to Mike Duffy's. And, uh, okay, so, so John, we've kind of got a Pebble Beach theme going. Yep. All right. Yep. Back in 2002, I think this is widely received as the best golf that's ever been played. And it was Tiger Woods winning the U.S. Open in 2002 – by how many shots? 16. 15, 15 shots. 15 shots, yeah. So let me ask you this before we start. Anybody in you're in my lifetime, and you're much older than I am, one full year, anybody ever going to win a major by 15? I, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it, no. 15? Yeah. Yeah, he just I, – I remember – certain shots throughout that week, but he just had a whole different feel for that golf course. And I just some of the things he did. What was it, a six iron or seven iron? Seven um, iron on number six out of the hay. So that could have gone anywhere or nowhere. And he just popped it right up there like it was absolutely nothing. You know, and we saw a lot of strength from uh from Woodland. Uh it was a little, it was different conditions. There was other things that were different about it. Uh but to win by that margin uh, I I don't know again. Like I said, I can't fathom it. How do you think Tiger felt? He was there, obviously, because he was the one that did it back then, and he had that capability. How does how do you how do you justify or clear that up in your own mind when you're Tiger of kind of what you got in the tank now versus what you had in the tank then? Oh man, I don't know. That's I mean, it had to be hard. You know, you, there was plenty of discussion this, this last weekend about. You know how much energy he had. You know where where's where's the real you know excitement with him and that kind of stuff. So I don't know if he was hurting. I don't know if it's a little bit of I simply can't do what I used to do and this isn't is quite as cool. By the way, he had a spectacular finish. I don't know how much you watched there. Oh no, he did. Attention. Did you see that beautiful little like eight or nine iron shot he hit in on eighteen? It was unbelievable. Some of the stuff he did towards because I think he was two or three over and he ends up getting it back to, to two under. To, or something. To two yeah. under. That's so, the thing that he also does. Never gives up on anything. No, no. Which is so, I mean, it's a 60-foot butt for par, and he's yeah. over there treating yeah. it like it's a five-footer. I remember talking to Marco Mira, 
after this and saying, what? Because Mark was really kind of his mentor. Mm-hmm. And he said that he played with him in the practice round, and Johnny Miller came up to him and said something like, what's up, well, what's up with this kid? And Mark said, he goes, Johnny, this is the best player that's ever played golf. How'd that and go Johnny was Johnny? like, well, well, Johnny. Yeah, you know, it didn't go over well. <laughs> but I will tell you this. Somewhere along the line, I remember in the tele- listening to the telecast back in 02, Johnny said something like, Tiger Woods is going to break all the all the records, all the USGA, yeah. USGA records or something. And, um, well, he had already broke kind of most of them as far as when you go back to his amateur career. His amateur career, like yeah. He, I, the thing that stood out in my mind, that six iron was amazing, mm-hmm. or seven iron was amazing on number six. But, John, I don't know if you remember this, but on 16, the last day, he hit it kind of over the, just over the green at a brutal little pitchy chip sort of thing down from the back left hole location and hit it about 15 feet past the hole. And um, he's got a 15, he's up by 15. He's got three holes left. I mean, nothing can happen short of a heart attack that's going to keep him from winning. And he grinds his putt and makes it. And they said, and I can remember Roger Maltby going, what is the, you know, when there's a fist pump. Yeah. And it was because he set out a goal that he wanted to have a clean card. He didn't want to make a bogey all day. There's a whole psychology right there. We no were doubt. taught that a lot in college. Yes, play we old were. man par, play yep. the golf course, forget about everybody else on top of it. But I also remember Nota Begay, who played golf with him at Stanford, and a couple of the other guys. Uh, Casey, was Casey Martin? Casey Martin there? was there, sure. And those guys would talk about Tiger just didn't want to beat you. Oh, no. If he had you five down, yeah. he was determined to get you six. And if he had you six, he wanted to get you eight. And if he could win every single hole, he wanted to win every single hole. Ask Stephen Ames. Remember what happened to Stephen no, Ames? No. Uh, so Stephen me. Ames said something to the effect before they played the match play event at La Costa, said something to the effect like, I'm playing great. I hope he plays great too, and we'll just see. And and something else came out in what he said that was Tiger looked at as a challenge, mm-hmm. like, oh, or maybe even on the disrespectful side. Plus, Tiger's probably looking for that, too, to get a hundred percent. And 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 I want to add this before I tell you the end of the story. But Tiger not only wanted to beat you, he wanted to spectacularly beat you. He wanted buzzers and bells and fireworks and fist pumps and all that. And Stephen Ames lost nine and eight. <laughs> beat him till they bleed and beat him for bleeding. That's what my father used to say to me all the time. And that's a little bit what, uh, yep. what, what Tiger's after. He just wanted to have dominance so that next time you teed it up with him, you knew you would lose. No, no question. He absolutely wanted that. Yep, no yeah. question. He wants that for the whole field, and yep. then he has a better chance each, yeah. each week. It's um, it's an amazing it, that that story in in two thousand uh, and I said two thousand two. It was two thousand. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. When Tiger won at the U.S. I wasn't going to correct you again. Yeah. You were close. You were in the two thousands. Hey, that's what we do here. <laughs> we're not accurate. But you said eighteen something. I right. would I would have jumped right, right in. Hang there. on a minute. You missed it by two hundred years. I'd be okay. Yeah, a couple. A couple um, centuries, you know, but um, but what a spectacular U.S. Open! How fun to watch! I don't know. Uh, and then uh, where the heck is it? Wingfoot, Wingfoot. Uh, next I got year. to play Wingfoot in 2006. I was 46 years old and got to play Wingfoot, and just I almost can for you that a, time because I dragged those clubs through yes, that you qualifier did. You when did. you made the qualifier. I uh, think it was Fox Run, run yep, which was spectacular. Run in, a, in a playoff. But it was during my, my fishing tournament, my fishing, not fishing tournament, fishing trip up yep. in Canada, and it, it, that just doesn't get uh, No, that bypassed. just doesn't. No, that doesn't. That doesn't uh, Although, if I ever had a regret in any single year, it was that year because you were playing so good. And I think you only missed the day and cut by one. And Steve I knew, Stricker hold his bunker shot, not that I remember. <laughs> Steve Stricker hold his bunker shot while I was putting out on 18 in the morning and I made about an 8 footer for part number 18 to get to 10 over Steve Stricker <laughs> hold his bunker shot to go to 1 under 10 shot rule missed 62 well, players also I was always two. good for somewhere between 5 and 6 shots of course you were a day well no, I'm 5 or been. 6 but I was going to say I'm not sure which way Sometimes right. five or six yeah, hurt you, sometimes right. five or six that's helped right. you. So who knows? You could have been in the lead or you could have yeah, missed by right. a dozen. Right, we could have missed by a dozen. Let's talk real quickly about the tip of the week, and we've okay. got to give our Clever RX plug. But um, So the tip of the week, I, I wanted to think of something really simple that would universally help people across the bag, and it's like this. Take one extra club. Just take one extra club. If you need to choke down half an inch on your shaft, if you think it's a seven, 
Take a six. But I think I can get to seven or eight there. I know. That's why you said take a six. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to do this with my dad, and he would never do it. And he's like, oh, no, I just didn't hit that. And I was like, come on, Dad. I play with guys all the time. They just – you don't know exactly how far your average distance is going to go with your six iron. Yeah. You know how far the really good one goes. Right. Well, I couldn't say that to my dad because yeah. he already had the three-wood in his hand. No right. where oh, yeah, no, no doubt. He didn't have more no. time in the bag. And your dad would punt with his three-wood, too. So, um <laughs> Yeah, guys, this show is flying by. I want to talk just a little bit about Clever RX. We've got the information behind us um, on our Facebook Live stuff. But um, anyone that wants to try to lower your prescription drug cost, uh, reach out to me, Jay, at jdelsongolf.com. I will share with you this Clever RX app. It is remarkable. You know, my oldest sister, Kim, has got some pretty serious health injuries, uh, health uh, issues, and takes some high powered uh, medicines for her. Um, rheumatoid arthritis and her uh, form of lupus and things like that. I sent her this Clever RX. It saved her $80 on her first prescription. It's absolutely free, and this app can save you money. It, it will simply tell you in your area when you put in your zip code where to go to get the cheapest prescription. That's it. I don't care if you have insurance or not, and 80% of the time, it'll help. Clever RX. For sure, and reach out to me, Jay, at jdelsingolf.com for the Clever RX app. So, tip of the week save shots in your round, and Clever RX saves dollars on your pocket. That's right, and we all know how we're fortunate we don't have to take a bunch of uh, no, not, not yet. drugs at this point not in yet, time. Baby. And uh, me, man, is this show over already? It's, it's over. It's over. Was it over when the Sing, when the, the fat lady uh, singing? I heard in the was background. It, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> no. Oh, that's a different movie. Uh, Pearl, thanks for being with me. Me, thanks for running the board. Drew, thanks for the team at BYK Digital for getting us live on Facebook. Uh, this is golf with Jay Delsing and hit him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday from 7 to 8 for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com, as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.